and um, I hear the first officer call out. And then the first officer jumps on the radio and he screams, holy sh! it's the goat man. And I mean, it's just like everything went quiet. And my, I, I could hear the ringing in my ears and I could feel my heart race. And so I hit my light and I went flying up there. I'd been told by some old, older people, elders, that you grab them and you hold them and you, you, you don't own them, but you, you hold them there until daylight. If you can hold them or pull it in, pull them into the light, it uh, destroys anything they have, uh, any kind of power or anything that, or anything they were trying to do to you, it'll, it'll destroy them. This guy was like bouncing, like. You know, like how you, you see people kind of getting ready to jig? You know how they kind of bounce? Yeah, he was like that way. He was just kind of bouncing, and he was just kind of going back and forth and one foot to the other. And uh, and he just kind of turned sideways, and he turned back over to the other way, and and uh, he took off. Holy shit, he jumped in Wanda. This is Lodge Tales. I'm your host, Rod Williamson. And thanks again for joining us on another episode. If you are Native American and you'd like to come on the show to share your strange and paranormal experiences, please consider emailing us at lodgetales at gmail.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Lodge Tales. I'm your host, Rod Williamson. So this is part three of the little mini-series that I've that I'm releasing on my stories for this Halloween month. Uh, part two is on Patreon, and if you wanted to listen to that, you could become a member over there. It's uh, patreon.com. You'll just register for an account and search for Lodge Tales there. There's a $5 link, you know, a membership link every month. That's all I have to offer, just $5 monthly membership nothing crazy and it's just pretty easy you just it's like registering for an email account but it's just a, a I don't know like a media service and you just register for that for free but on that you can search and subscribe to any patreon creator out there they have videos audio just you know kind of a media thing that uh, it empowers the the creators out there to the media creators out there the freelance ones to you know get a help their podcasts or their video series whatever help that keep going every month because we got to all subscribe to like these services to get our podcasts out there or youtube shows whatever it is that's on there and so you could just subscribe to it pay five bucks Listen to all the Patreon episodes, then cancel it if you want, you know. You don't have to, like, stay subscribed every month. But if you wanted to, that, that option's there. You don't have to cancel it, and it would charge you five bucks every month. So anyways, um, this is part three. And on the previous episode, if you are not a member, I tell the story about that big man in the tunnels, that big spirit that was down there. <laughs> And there's, there's a lot of others that I, I tell on that last episode. Um, let me see, I'll just go over what I 
what I talked about on it real quick. I talked about this little spirit that dragging like a bag of meat. Yeah, I don't know. It was really weird. I talk about these little blue things that come out of the floor. Those things were pretty scary, man. <laughs> they sounded scary and they looked weird. I talked about being paralyzed by a little man there. Uh, this matron, I booked her for some ghost stories and she told me some about those dorms. And I talk about this holy man that used to cleanse the school out. and He did a lot of things for the kids. He was really, he's, he is really a good man. He, he helped us a lot. Then I tell one story of uh, this house on the corner in Browning where those lights are on in there, but there's no power to it. Anyways, it's kind of an odd story too. And There's one similar to that that I experienced out in Tamed, and I talk about a story about that too. Well, anyways, um, before we begin, I'll just thank all you listeners again and uh, the Patreon members. I appreciate it all as always. You know, you guys... Um, Hearing the feedback, stuff like that, makes me want to keep doing this and knowing that there's an interest out there and, and what we're talking about here kind of motivates me, you know, to keep going. Um, I'd like to just go ahead and start with our next, my next set of stories here. So I said I was going to start off with the ghost beer story. So let me go ahead and do that. This is after Chamawa. Chihuahua Indian School, this is when I got out of the military too and I was back home. You know, largely in the military it was pretty quiet. There wasn't uh, much going on in the military as far as the paranormal stuff went. It's odd. It's like it all just stopped when I was there. I never experienced anything while I was in the military. You know, I was in there for eight years and I never experienced one thing. So yeah, there was an eight year gap in all of this which is kind of curious, I don't know. But uh, the ghost beer story, yeah, let's let's talk about that. So I get back out of the military. Um, this is in 2003. And uh, late 2003, I get, I get back and I'm staying at my dad's house, that flood house in Browning, that spooky one. That's where I decide to get on my feet at and transition into the civilian world was there. So, before long, my girlfriend, now wife, moved in with me and we were staying with my dad. He he lived there alone in a four-bedroom house, so geez, just made sense to, you know, start off there, my post-military life. And, uh, so, there was a point where my grandpa had passed away, right, and I still wasn't fully over that, it took years pretty literally a tough loss he passed in 2002 so anyways um me and my dad one night we're sitting up and we're drinking beer and uh right out his window across the way i could look north and i'd see the powwow grounds over there by the museum and i was feeling bad you know just sitting there and my dad never did like me feeling bad. He's always trying to cheer me up, tell me jokes, or just something funny, or just start telling stories about something, you know, get my mind off things. He's really a big help emotionally to me when I, when I got out of the military. Because I was dealing with a lot, you know, PTSD, all this and that. Well, he helped me out. He would always tell me things, tell me stories and everything. And So anyways, I'm, I'm sitting there and I, I keep turning around to look out that window. I said, you know what, Dad? I says, I'm kind of lonesome for 
was thinking about a grandpa, you know. He said, yeah. He said, me too. I said, well, you know what? I'm going to walk over there. I said, um, to those, to that arbor. I'm going to go to where he sat. Just sit there for a little bit. Oh, I'll be back. You know, it was dark out. So I get up and I walk out. Well, I dig in that fridge and uh, I could feel to the bottom of that 18 pack we're drinking. And I felt to the bottom, I could feel the bottom of that cardboard box. There was three beers left in there. I grabbed one and I walked over with it and figured I'd just get over there and, you know, sip on it on the way over, sit there and finish it, then walk back and throw the can away at the house. You know, that's kind of what I was thinking. So I was just feeling bad, you know, so. I go over there across that street, climb that little fence, and start walking through the parking lot, and I'm walking into those fields, and I finally get over to the arbor, but geez, it was odd when I was walking over there. It felt like, um, geez, it felt like there was a bunch of people there already, like, crowded, you know? Like, when it's going full swing, the powwow, and there's just everybody in your way, you're trying to walk around in those stands, or just, just walk around and check it out, there's just a lot of people. So you're all constantly bobbing and weaving, moving, so you don't, you know, walk into a stroller or something, you know, or an alder. That's how it felt when I walked over there. But uh, I finally get into that arbor and I sit down where my grandpa used to always sit. And I was just talking, you know, kind of out loud. Just, you know, hey grandpa, I miss you. And just wanted to see where you sit one last time, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put these bad feelings away. You know, I'm not going to feel bad no more about it. Just gonna let it go. Yeah, but I just want to come over here one last time. Just see where you were and everything. And just see what you saw when you were just sit here all the time. And you know, one last uh, hoorah, I guess. You know, so so I do that. I sit there for a while, about ten minutes or so, not very long. So all right, well that, that's enough. Now I put this down. I'm not gonna not gonna let it. You know bother me like this anymore. So I get up and I start walking back to that house. It, same thing, felt like there was a big crowd of people over there. You know, and I finally get through there, I get to the house and I walk in there and I throw that can away and I reach into that refrigerator and when I reached in there I felt to the bottom of the box skin and there was still three beers in there and I thought, wait, hey there was already only just three in here, what the hell? Uh, whatever, I must have just been, I don't know, tripping out, whatever, but I must have been mistaken, so I reach in there and grab it, and there should have been two left in there, right? I sit down, and I start drinking it. I was just visiting my dad after that, and I don't remember what we're talking about, but finish that beer, and uh, I go back to that fridge, and I reach in there to grab another one. Should have been two left. <laughs> there was still, I mean, technically there should have only been one left at this point, but I reach in there, there's still three in there. I fell to the bottom of that box a third time, go, what the hell, there was three in there. Once I felt that third one in there, still I just backed up and I slammed that door and I said, hey dad, there's still three beers in there, there shouldn't be. He said, what? And I told him, you know, yeah, the, the story of me taking all the... He said, you know what, when you headed out, he said, I reached in there. And I grabbed one and I was going to save it for tomorrow morning. Uh, he said, so there, there shouldn't have been any, you know, any more in there. I thought, what the hell? I said, but there's still three in there, Dad. There's, well, if you took one, there should be none. Yeah, I agree. And he said, yeah, there, 
He said, well, I tell you what, just reach in there and grab that. We'll drink up those last three, and if they, they keep appearing, we'll just throw that whole box out. And I said, all right. So I reached in there, and I grabbed that one, and <laughs> I didn't want to drink it. <laughs> it's kind of spooky at that point. But I did, and Dad had another one. I think I had two, and he had one. And Anyways, it finally went away. But uh, my dad started joking because he could tell I was a little shook up by that. And he said, uh, <laughs> you know, because my cousin Greg, Greg Wax was there. He was sleeping in that other room. And uh, he said, geez, I thought for a minute they were going to have to wake up Greg and have him help us drink all of this up. There's no way we could do it. <laughs> uh, that's funny, but that's been known to happen. I've I've heard of that happen before where people are drinking like that and... The alcohol just keeps appearing, and I mean, there's one other story that I know about that my aunt told me. She said there was this man, and uh, I don't really want to say his name, but uh, she said this man, because he, he went on to be like a holy man, and I, I kind of don't want to tarnish his name, but I guess he really used to drink a lot and when he was younger, and uh, one night, I mean, one day my my grandpa went out to sober him up, like bring him to town and make sure he wasn't drinking anymore. Because I guess he'd been going on a bender for a year, years, whatever, long, long time, you know, every day. So he makes him, he goes in his house, kind of cleans it up and spills out all those whiskey bottles that were in there. There's a whole bunch in there. All alcohol he could find, he spilled it out, cleaned up his house, you know. Because he, he went in there and seen him laying on, a, on his bed sleeping, so... While he was sleeping, he cleaned out all that. Yeah. Spilt out all alcohol. There's none left in that house. And he told him, come on, I'm going to take you to town. I'm going to sober you up. You've been going for it too long. He says, oh. Well, wait now, just go back in there. And on that table, hand me a, hand me that bottle. I have one last sip and then I'll go with you. Is there ain't nothing here. I just got done cleaning out your whole house. You know, tidied up a bit. There's, there's nothing here. I spilt it all out. He says, it's time to quit now. He said, oh, just bring me that bottle. And he says, there's nothing there. He says, yeah, there is. There's a man that comes here every day and he brings me a bottle. It's in there right now. Go get it for me. She went in that kitchen. Sure enough, there was a bottle right there, a brand new one just right there, not even cracked. <laughs> it, you know, the way they think about that is he was probably meant to keep drinking because... Well, they wanted him to keep drinking, but he was meant for something bigger than that, you know, because he became a holy man. And they didn't want him to walk that path. They wanted him to stay drunk all the time instead. Those bad spirits, those alcohol spirits. You know, those are, from what I understand, they're really lonely type spirits. Those alcohol spirits, they want you to stay with them, be with them. But all they do is take, take, and take. They don't, they're really no good. But anyways, uh. That's the other story I know about that, and I've heard of it happening before. I know I have, I just can't recall any of the stories where it's happened before. But I, I, I want to say a couple other times I heard of things like that happening. Anyways, that's the ghost beer. That one was pretty weird. One. <laughs> I'll never forget that one, it was really weird. Now this next story is about a little man out into medicine. Um, Again, we were drinking out there. Sat my Uncle Bill at the Wax's house uh, across the creek from ours. And so one night, I was with my sister. 
and we were in Cut Bank at, at a bar, you know, and we left there and we come back up to the creek because we seen my Uncle Kenny up there, you know, God rest his soul too, and he, he come up, his wife, my aunt, you know, uh, my other sisters from Temed were out there too. Um, they're really my cousins, but I call them my sisters. They were out there. and was at their dad's place, and he had already passed on by then, so it was just us there, and nobody lived in that house yet. We were just down by the river. We had a fire going that night, and we all parked down there, and we were just sipping, telling stories, you know, family, having a good time after the bar closed. And my dad was there. Greg Wax was there. Uh, Andrea. There was others, too. My sister and her man. And Anyways, uh, so at some point we seen lights coming up that ditch bank. Headlights. They were driving up. And it's a road that leads along this irrigation canal. Call it a ditch bank. Ditch bank road. And it goes up all the way up to these head gates where the irrigation comes out from the river there's a main head gate there where they open it so that the people, the ranchers, farmers can get water to irrigate their fields. So I seen these headlights come up and my my aunt Theodora said, oh that must be Austin. And uh, I thought, oh geez Austin, because I was the only one there my age. Everybody else was older than me. and. Yeah, I thought, geez, that'd be nice to visit Austin for a while. I hope he comes up. But I seen his car kind of pull off to the side on that sandbar down around that corner there, kind of. Anyways, um, just then another set of headlights come up. I thought Austin had just pulled off and parked there because I didn't see him go anywhere and I seen those lights turn off. Well, another car come driving up and here it was a cop. He was spotlighting down there at us, and my uncle Kenny said, "Oh, they can't do nothing to us down here. This is a uh, private land." He says, "We ain't doing anything either. Everyone's of age. There's nothing going on down here. They can't bother us. They can't harass us." And sure enough, he just spotlighted on us and drove up to the head, the head gates, and he must have turned around up that way and come back because we seen him drive back through and head out. We we're just sitting there visiting. Well, I kept staring over there where I seen. Austin's lights turn off, which I thought was Austin's lights. I wonder what he's doing. Well, I'm going to go over there since he ain't driving down here. I'll walk up there. So I start walking up there. It's about a two, three hundred yard walk. And it's dark out there, you know, really quiet at night out in Tamed. So anyways, I'm walking. I get up by that old house, turn on that ditch bank, and I walk down the ways of where I thought he was parked. There was no car there. And I thought, he's under. Wonder whose lights those were that just pulled off here and turned off and there was no cars. I haven't walked further down. Just to make sure and there was there was nothing there, nobody there. So, oh well, whatever. You know, I had one beer in my hand, I was walking with it. I turned around and I start walking back down to that fire and as I get by that that old house there, Bill's old pink house, there's a main brown house now, kind of a newer one, and his older one, that little pink one was down there. That's passing by that. And there was an old bridge that went across that ditch bank. One side of it was caved in, the other side was still up, you know, but nobody used it. It was just, you could walk across it if you wanted, but no more driving over that thing. It was caved in on one side, but 
anyways as I was walking uh, I was looking at that well I had my head down a little bit I'd look up at the stars and everything but just keep walking looking at the road because there was a little bit of moonlight I could see you know and so I uh just then I look up oh cripes I see this little man he's a little Indian and I I could see his braids uh, since I looked at him he looked at me and he tensed like he got ready to to bail to run to jump something he just tensed I stopped uh, oh who's there yeah, I knew it was something spirit or something I knew it was uh, who's there and I thought to myself just keep walking because I almost just ran straight to that fire and jumped through all of those rose hit bushes or their thorns I didn't want to go through those but I, man I almost did because I could see that fire but if I knew I jumped off of that there's kind of a high bank there boy I don't boulders like little big rocks I would have got hurt right in there so I thought geez I just gotta make it past him back down that little road and geez straight down to that fire from there I'll be home free so that was what was in my mind so I just picked up my pace I wouldn't let myself run you know just get totally spooked and start running so I picked up my pace and I just kept saying who's there who's there <laughs> As I got closer to him, he was still tense looking at me. He had two braids. I remember I can see him because they're, the way they were kind of off of his head, it looked like they were tied behind his back. Those two braids tied together behind his back is how it looked. And he just dove right into that ditch bank. And geez, he must have been about, oh, about three or four feet tall. If he was a little person, he was a big little person, you know, because most of them are really small about a foot you know so this one was kind of big and, and it was a shadow <laughs> it was a shadow but I could see I could make out all these things on him and I couldn't make out his face features or anything like that but I could see his braids is how his hair went he was wearing some kind of uh, some kind of leggings too I could tell but he didn't have a shirt on anyways he dove into that water I heard it Who's there? Who's there? I even stopped and I looked to see where he was at. If he came up, he never came up. So I just kept walking really fast. I wasn't gonna let myself get spooked. I got down off that little road that leads off that ditch bank, down that little thing, and I got past that house. I looked up at that house. It's dark. Nobody lived in there. Yeah, you know, my uncle's passed on, and I was thinking to myself, "Geez, uncles, if that's you guys, please don't don't scare me." Don't mess with me. <laughs> That's what I said as I walked by. I said that out loud and I just kept walking to that fire. Boy, I wouldn't let myself run. I finally got there and I started telling everybody what happened. And, you know, everybody was trying to uh, uh, rationalize it away. Oh, it was probably an otter. Oh, it was probably this. Oh, it was probably that. No. No, this was a little person. I'm telling you guys it was. You know, I was the youngest one there, so they were just whatever <laughs> and I kind of got like I don't know quiet because I felt like I was uh, um, I don't know how to say that uh, they weren't taking me serious so I dejected I guess so I just kind of got quiet and sitting there but I made sure I sat on that side of the fire where I could see that house I wouldn't put my back to it I wanted to keep it in front of me and uh I could see the, it was starting to get light. There was a car coming from across the creek on the Joe Show Road. It drove by. 
Just as it was driving by, we looked over at that house and we seen this light. There was a light above that house. It's down about the size of a beach ball. It was above Bill Linham's, their new house. And it was up and about, oh, five feet above the house. And I said, look at that, you guys, look. And uh, they said, I said, I told you guys I seen something over there. And I don't know what it was, you know, but look now, there's a light there. It's, Strange things going on over here. They all watched it. We all stood there and watched it. And it's it was it didn't move. It just stayed in that one place. But it it didn't cast light. It's like a, what we call a ghost light. It didn't cast light. Like it couldn't make shadows off of things. It's just its own light. It's a really odd thing if you ever see one. It's really odd. And so as we was watching it, it, it like swirled. Like imagine something going down a drain, water going down a drain. That's how it swirled. Then it just blinked out of existence. It was gone. And uh, one of my sisters said, <laughs> she says, oh, there's that, that light that, or that window that's up there. Um, when that car went by, we seen its reflection. No, we didn't. You know, they're all trying to rationalize stuff away. All of them. <laughs> But I knew what we seen, and, and it couldn't be that, you know, because I would have, jeez, I was hoping it was something like that, but no, it wasn't. And uh, I said, well, let's wait, wait until it hits daylight, and we'll see where that window is. Anyways, it started getting daylight, and I said, look, see where that window's at? Remember where that light was? There's no way it could have been that. Crickets. Nobody said anything. Just quiet. <laughs> Anyways, that was that, uh. That little man over out on the creek that I seen that night. And, uh, you ain't good to be drinking like that, you know? It's really not. And I think that's why a lot of stuff was happening out there. But stuff happens out there all the time. You know, there's a lot of spirits out in Tamed. A lot of things like that happen. Well, moving on, we, um, this story takes place over in uh, Hart Butte. One night, see, uh, after we moved out of town, we moved out to my grandpa's old place. My uncle owned it by then, my dad's brother, the youngest one, he owned it. And uh, he said, yeah, you guys can stay here a few months. We wanted to get out of town. And he said, yeah, you guys can stay because we had plans to go to school that fall. So yeah, come on, come on, stay, you guys can. So we moved into my grandpa's old place, cleaned up. Cleaned it up and, you know, made it livable and we start staying there. Anyways, uh, one night it was over in Hart Butte and we was visiting my, my wife's folks. And we were just driving back over to our place and, uh, we turned this corner down by, like, where that little fire hall is. And it leads into that skunk village. Right where that corner's at. Not onto the main road, but down into those houses a little bit. We were just turning right, right there. And, uh, those lights shined on this dog. We were watching it cross in front of us. And it, it, it crossed in front of us already, and it got onto that sidewalk, and it started walking down that sidewalk to where we was coming from. So we could see its face. Anyways, it opened its mouth like it was yawning. And, oh God, when it did, it, its mouth opened so wide. You know, I've never seen anything like that. It, that's how we knew it was a spirit, because when its mouth opened, I mean, it was big. Like, uh, geez, big. 
on a good foot wide. <laughs> and when its jaws opened like that, inside of its mouth, another set came out. Or, God, I don't know what that was, but it like, it's like it folded its whole self inside out. It was weird. Like it, to me, it looked like it yawned and just kept opening its mouth. And then another mouth came out and opened too, like it yawned twice. It was really weird and creepy and <laughs> it just kind of all it closed that little part went back into its throat and it just closed its mouth and kept walking looked glanced at us and kept walking like what the hell was that i said did you see that amber she said oh yeah what what the hell and i don't know so anyways we just drove we just kept driving we drove home but that was that was really creepy i didn't understand how that was possible but we've seen it both of us and this next story uh, takes place in Browning there's a there's a junkyard right behind uh, P&M the store P&M and anyways we were driving from my dad's house and I don't know where we was going but it was nighttime we're heading downtown somewhere I don't know what we was doing but Maybe going to the store that night or something, but as we drove down, I remember seeing something on a corner of my eye move, like something black. I didn't think nothing of it because it was windy that night, and thought uh, something must have blew by or whatever. And as we drove down and we got to that T intersection to head left to P and M, I seen a, uh, I seen something black. It was still going, whatever it was, it crossed that road, and as we were shining our lights, it's like it just avoided our lights barely, and it jumped over that fence into that old junkyard, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of cars there that, that used to be there, people would die in accidents, those cars would all get piled in there, and recycled eventually, or whatever, but yeah, there was a lot of people that died in those vehicles that was in that junkyard, and oh, I kind of wonder if had to do something with that or if it was some kind of spirit traveling but what it looked like was imagine a trash bag upside down but the bottom of it all raggy and thick like that round you know filled up with hair kind of big like that that's how it looked and it was off the ground about maybe two feet and it just went over that fence and, and I, I thought it was a trash bag I really did but it's like no, that's not a trash bag because how dark it was. That that I know that couldn't have been because you, know, you would have seen reflections off of it or something with a little bit of light that was shining that way. There there was nothing. It was just total black. And yeah, I don't know. My my wife's seen it too. She's like again her her response was ew. <laughs> but yeah, that you know it wasn't too. It didn't upset us too bad because we was in the car. We kind of felt safe. And, forever that's worth but yeah I went right into that junk card and that was that that night um, so moving along here uh, that house in Browning alright this one is that that one I call a a hat man <laughs> alright so God, some really bothered me that time. Well, anyways, um, 
Ooh, we wipe again. So I'm laying in the bed one night. My wife's laying right by me, and uh, I I go to sleep, and then all of a sudden I woke up, and we have all the lights out. It's dark, and I wake up because I can't. I, I don't know why I woke up, but I can't move. I was wondering what the hell's wrong with me, and you know. I kind of realized it was, I was trapped, like I was in Chimawa. I was trapped again, like what the hell, why? And I start looking around, and uh, I couldn't move my head, I couldn't move nothing, just my eyes again. Uh, and I, I remembered that feeling. You know, at this time I'm about 25, 25 years old, 26 years old, somewhere in there. Anyways, I, I looked toward that door. Oh Christ, there he was. This little short, wide man with this hat on, standing in that corner with the, I don't know, just looking at me. But his head was kind of down a little bit, like the brim of his hat, but I could see his eyes under the brim of his hat looking at me. He was just still, didn't make any noise, nothing. I got really scared because he was just standing there looking at me, like, what the piss? You know, I didn't talk. I was pretty scared, and, uh, Finally, I was able to like get out of that paralysis that I was in, and when I did, and I, I looked for him again, he was gone. And I thought, holy shit, man! I, I don't want to tell this one. You know, I don't want to tell Amber about that. I don't want to scare her. Like, whatever that is, I think it's bad. And so, I'm laying there, and I think, okay. Alright, I'm just going to go back to sleep somehow. I didn't understand how I could go back to sleep because I was pretty shook up. And <laughs> I managed to drift back off again. I go back to sleep and again I wake up and I'm in the same spot again. I'm paralyzed again and I can't move, just my eyes. So immediately I look toward that corner to see where he was at, if it was him again. It was him, but... He was halfway to my bed from that corner by the door. Oh God, he was closer. And this time I could see, I could see everything on him. And there was a, a little boy and a little girl standing right next to him, like by his arms in front of him. His eyes were really big, like big. Uh, I don't know, they were really big, but size of oranges but they were oval shaped they were big and they were black uh, I couldn't see any pupils and it was black same with those kids that's how they looked really big eyes and black and their faces were weird they were like uh, smooth skin almost looked um, almost looked gray and like imagine there's no blood in someone's skin that's how it looked that kind of you know gray pasty kind of look but um they were just smiling at me just smiling like like this mocking or yeah I got you now now what you gonna do you know smiling like enjoying what they were doing to me or whatever I looked at that man because I could see he had on like this trench coat he was only again he was only just about what three and a half four feet tall 
He wasn't very big. And those kids are smaller than him. That boy was a little bit taller than that girl. Uh, so he had on this, like, trench coat, this black trench coat. And I could see, uh, like he had this vest on underneath and a dress shirt. I could see this old time pocket watch on a silver chain hanging on like a pocket on his vest. And that little girl, she had pigtails and they were braided. Little pigtails but braided. And she had on this little dress, um, black shoes and uh, white socks too. That boy had on suspenders like, um, you know, farmers wear, kind of like those suspenders with that pocket in front center. He had that on and I remember his shirt was yellow with like these stripes, I want to say like brown horizontal stripes going across it. Slur uh, short sleeve shirt. And they were just staring at me. That girl had brown hair and so did that boy. But uh, that man, I couldn't see his hair. And how he looked was like, if you guys have ever watched that old movie called Batman, it come out he's a long time ago where Danny DeVito was the penguin. That's how it looked. <laughs> but it had really big eyes. But you know, that's how it looked. It was really, really creepy. And I was petrified. I mean, I couldn't even move for one. And I could just look at him and it was one of the scariest, creepiest things I've seen in my whole life. And... God, I didn't know what to do. I put, I took my eyes off of them. I was looking over, you know, opposite them, trying to move my eyes away from them, and figured to myself, I'm gonna get up and, and get out of this. And if I have to, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really beat the shit out of these things, whatever they are. I'm gonna fight them, man. You know, I was like that fight or flight. I was scared. And there's no way in hell that these things are gonna mess with me. I was really scared because I didn't. They looked like liars, like that wasn't really how they looked. Whatever they were, they were something else, but that's how they chose to appear. That's the impression I got. They were just lying to me, like trying to mess with me. That too got me on a fight. But I was really, really scared. If I backed into a corner, didn't have no other options but to try and like force my way out of that and then fight. Well, just like that, I was able to move. It didn't take long talking like geez not even a minute what 45 seconds 30 seconds of me trying to look away and just trying to move and I knew they were there because I I wouldn't look directly at them but I would kind of use my peripheral and I could see them still standing there <laughs> it was scary man it was really scary I couldn't scream nothing and so finally I was able to move I looked over real quick and half sat up getting ready to you know start swinging fighting for all I was worth, protect my girlfriend and myself, you know, from whatever that was. But they were gone. Just gone. And I say, oh man, I can't tell this one about that either. I just can't, but uh, I, I said, Amber, you awake? And she stirred, huh? What's, what's going on? I said, I'm gonna put my hand on your leg, okay? Now if I start scratching you or anything, if you feel any moving from my hand, uh, wake me up, all right? So what's wrong? I said, nothing. Nothing. Uh, I'll tell you tomorrow. But uh, just, if I start moving, will you please just roll over and shake me or something? Just say, yeah. So, okay. And so, I, I go back to sleep. 
Now, I don't know how I'm going back to sleep each time, but I am. And it, you know, it's really scary. <laughs> Lay there for the longest time and I finally drift back off. And geez, I, I come to again and damn it, I'm paralyzed again. Third time in that one night. And God, I looked toward that door again to see if they were there or right next to me or something. They weren't. There was nothing in that room. Nothing. And I was thinking, uh, well, why can't I move? What's going on here? I didn't understand. But I was still, I was really scared because it's a scary feeling when you're paralyzed like that. It's, it's, it's really, really jarring. And so I'm laying there on my back and I look up. Uh, so well, I'm just going to lay here, I guess. And, you know, I couldn't move. I was looking up at the, the light coming in from the top of the curtains, shine across the, the ceiling. And I was looking into that, and next thing you know, Christ, that's where he was. He was in those shadows, on, on the ceiling looking down at me. And he didn't, I couldn't see features this time. He didn't look whole. Instead, he looked like a shadow. And he was just looking down at me. I could see his outline. He was darker than all of those shadows. You could just see him. It was just obvious. Like, holy shit, <laughs> there he is. And I couldn't move. And he was just staring at me. <laughs> I think about that. And I think, God, this if this wasn't a horror flick, oh man, that would probably give a lot of people the creeps, getting chills watching this damn show. And that's how it was. I mean, just looking, I was looking at him. And I, I thought, oh man, I'm gonna start trying to move my hand. I move. I was able to move just a little bit of my index finger in my right hand that I had on my girlfriend's leg. She must have felt it because she turned. What's wrong? And I, heck, I sh I come right out of it when she did that, and that guy just disappeared, just instantly gone. God, I have no idea what's wrong. I said, but I'm I'm gonna tell you in the morning, all right? I said, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to put my hand on you. And if something happens, just roll over and wake me up again. Would you please? She says, yeah. Yeah, I will. I could tell in her voice she knew something was wrong. But she didn't want to press me in. <laughs> I made it through that night. It didn't happen again. I woke up that next day and I, I kind of thought about it for a while. And then I start telling her what happened. And, you know, it really, it scared her too. Because we both got bothered in that house. I'm trying to get her to come on and tell some of her stories. And about the things she's experienced in her life. And one of those stories is about... There was a man that used to peek around in that house too. At night. Like the spirit. And one time it was... Well I don't want to ruin it. Or give the story away. I'll save that one in case she wants to come on and talk about it. But... She knew what I was talking about, and she knew that there was things in that house, you know, that would scare you, bad spirits and stuff in there. So, that's that hat man story of the flood house. Really a creepy time in my life. Now this other one was when we were staying out in Temeda at my grandpa's house. See, there was this old otter bundle out there, and it stayed in my grandpa's room. When we moved out there, you know, after my grandpa passed, we didn't bother anything in his room. I'd walk in there sometimes and look at my grandma's old stuff, it was still there. 
you know, she died in 86 and all her stuff was still on that dresser. And this was in 2003. I'd look at all those things. Oh, wait, it was 2004. Yeah, you know, just look around in there. Look at their old furniture and just think, geez. My grandma's clothes were still hanging in the closet. So were my grandpa's shirts. Was this... I don't know, I go in there and look around every now and then. Just, just felt good to see it all. And there was a bundle in his closet. Um, he was keeping it until until it told everybody where it wanted to go or where it should be. It was in that house. Because that bundle was in that house, uh, we couldn't have cats in there. You know, like the certain restrictions you have when those, those bundles are around. With that otter bundle, you couldn't have a cat in that house. So, And we didn't know that. We had a cat over there and my uncle said, hey, you need to get that out there. You can't have cats around that bundle. And so we had to leave my our cat in town, my dad's house. And, uh, anyways, one night, um, my nephew Daniel, my little cousin, Brian, they're small, same age. They used to always hang out. Daniel used to live with them for a while too. Well, anyways, uh, they were over at, at our house, at Grandpa's house. And... Because, you know, my uncle stayed in that trailer next the street there. And this is way out in the country. Well, anyways, uh, I had this old computer. And we used to play this game on there called Total War. A little war game where you make little generals and armies and strategize. And those boys really liked that game. We used to let them play it all the time. One night we were staying up playing it, messing around with it. <laughs> and, uh... All of a sudden, I, my dog, Tough, a little tiny ankle biter dog, I used to call him Tough, he looked like a little miniature Rottweiler. Boy, he really started barking at that hallway. He don't ever bark like that. He's just going nuts and scared the hell out of my nephew. He come bailing into the other side of the kitchen because he was sitting on that chair and, you know, running away from whatever that dog was barking at. We start laughing because we look back, we didn't see anything. And I started laughing. I said, what happened, Daniel? You get scared? Oh, yeah, I don't know. What the heck? <laughs> seen him barking, so I got the hell out there. We were laughing at him and Brian. And it wasn't even long, but five minutes later, uh, Amber got up and she come down that hall because she was sleeping back there in our room. She come, she come into that kitchen and she said, Rod, huh? She said, did you come back there and open that door? And Look in there at me. I said, huh? No, I didn't. She said, oh, okay. Well, I'm gonna go back to bed. Are you okay? Went back to bed, and that next day she was talking about that. She says, you know, last night, uh, a man opened that door and was standing there. He was just looking at me. I was sleeping. I opened my eyes. I seen him. He stared at me for just a little bit longer, and he closed that door, and he walked down that hallway toward the kitchen. See, I thought it was you. I said, I, I didn't know, but then you know, I heard those dogs barking, so I got up after that, and I went, that's when I went in there and asked you that. I said, really? So anyways, we, we think that was whatever spirit was with that bundle, just come out to look around at us. You know, we'd, we'd take care of it. Well, we'd smudge it off. We, wouldn't, we didn't have the rights to open it or anything like that, but, you know, we'd smudge it off and stuff every now and then. But that's what we think that was, because when we stayed there, 
nothing bad could bother us in that house, you know, spiritually. There was nothing like that that could bother us. And the reason I know that is because my so my wife had this cousin and she used to have this um her man anyways her man had uh what's that called diabetes and you know they used to drink too and he was this young twenties, you know. Kinda sad, but he one night didn't feel right. They came from town and they were out at that bullshit ranch staying at a staying at a house out there, um Mary Jonam's house. So anyways that's where they stayed and he didn't feel right, so he told her, he says, Do you know I'm gonna take a shot? And she's alright. And I don't feel good, something's wrong. I guess he was saying that on the way over and they're walking. Here he ended up giving himself too much insulin. And he died that night. He didn't, the next morning he didn't wake up. He had too much insulin. And yeah, it's pretty sad what we so anyways, we ended up burying him, everything, and yeah, it was really a tough time, and so about a week after we buried him, maybe three or four days after we buried him, I was laying in, we were both laying in that, in our, our room at my grandpa's, and there's a window right there by the bed, and I could hear him and he was saying hey Rod hey Rod let me in I knew it was him I could hear I, I know his voice I sat up and I says ah oh. you know because he was hollering by that front door but you could hear it so quiet in the country at night he was hollering by that front door telling me to let him in and I hollered back I says I said I can't let you in I said I can't I said you're dead hey you you gotta leave here. You, you can't uh, you can't be doing this. And he says, "Oh, come on, Rod." I said, oh, "Man, I can't." Hey, and he come over to that window to that side, and I could see his head just barely peeking in. You know, that window is tall. If you're outside, just the top of your head would be there. You know, I'm six foot tall. It just top of my head peeks in that thing. Anyways, I could see the shadow of his head there from that outside light, and I says, "Man, I said I can't let you in, bro. I, I can't. Like you gotta leave. You gotta make it over. You can't be here anymore." He says, "Oh, Rod," and he, I see him get mad. He grew really tall, like really tall. He just grew tall, and he kind of filled up that whole window. It's a double window, you know, and. Filled it all up. I, I, I kind of got scared when I was like, "Hey, man, you, you just can't be here. You can't, you can't come in here." And just like that, he was gone. You know, my wife. My wife said she heard him too, but I don't know. It was really a weird time. But yeah, he couldn't come in that house. I mean, even though I was telling him he couldn't, he just couldn't get in there. He was asking to be let in. So I knew there's nothing that could get in that house, you know, because of that bundle. And, well, must have just been like a barrier or something to that. 
Yeah, that's another kind of odd story that happened out in Temed. Now if we uh, move on now a little bit further down the road here. Here was, um, here's this warehouse. So this is about, you can fast forward to about 2007 roughly. And uh, we had moved to Bozeman, Montana. And I used to work in this flooring warehouse as the manager of it. Um, anyways, weird things started happening. Okay, so one day I, I asked uh, that old guy that, if you heard me calling him old, he'd probably get mad. <laughs> He's not that old. The older guy that was in the, there was two warehouses joined, the furniture warehouse, and I worked in the flooring warehouse, and a big giant threshold, um, like a doorway, uh, with no doors on it, connected the two. You could walk back and forth freely, pull a lot of stuff through that entry, too. You know, it's pretty wide. So anyways, one day I was bored. I had that whole place cleaned up, spick and span, and organized. All dressed right dress. I had it all fixed up, how a warehouse should look. And, uh, so I was over there one day. You know, the bathroom's on that side, so you have to go over there to use it. And I seen him and said, hey, John, what's going on, man? And, you know, start visiting. And I don't know how we get on the subject, but he said, yeah, there was a guy. I won't say his name, though, because heck of... Anyways, he said, there was a guy that... Used to work here that killed himself. I said, what? He said, yeah. I said, in in this warehouse? He said, no, no. They found him in a parking lot somewhere. But yeah, he had killed himself. But he used to work over there on your side. I said, really? He told me his name and like, holy shit. Well, anyways, I was just thinking about it and I don't know, somebody come in there. I wanna say it was my brother. Cause my brother lived down lives down in Bozeman too and he, he worked there too and I think it was him. I don't know. Somebody I was talking to about it. Whoever I felt comfortable talking like that with. And I said his name. And geez, after that, things started happening. And so I've always thought it was him that was messing around down there. And uh, maybe he needed help or something. Anyway, so um, odd things started happening like. Like, I, I remember one time I was walking, um, like, well, I was sitting in my office doing paperwork, uh, receiving um, freight and stuff, and I could hear this sound out in that warehouse, like a plastic bag rippling or, you know, something like that, a crinkling, and I wondered, what the hell is that? Oh, I bet you a gopher got in here again. It was that time a gopher got in there, and oh, he was in there a long time. A week or two <laughs> when I finally found him he had built himself a little nest at that carpet pad oh he's this skinny poor guy was this pump bony <laughs> I run him out I used to leave that warehouse store open in the summers because it kind of get hot in there and it stay cool if he did that and that's how I think he got in there anyways I thought oh, there's another gopher in here so I start walking down those aisles and those carpet racks and I was looking you know, they're 12 feet deep because that carpet comes in 12 foot wide uh, rolls and you stab them in there so you see the short round end, you know, but you stab them in 12 feet back and you tag them and stuff. You have this uh, forklift that has a big spear on it that goes into the middle of the cardboard 
that's in the middle of the carpet roll and you pick them out there and drag them out and bring them to the cutter. Well anyways, uh, I was walking down those looking for that sound because I could still hear it. And then I looked up. Well see, I had got all these really heavy rolls and I had nowhere to put them. So I ended up taking all those little rolls off the very top rack because I just had nowhere to put them. All those other racks were not big enough to hold that, that those carpet rolls. So I put them on top on the bottom because they were stock rolls and whenever I needed them I'd just fish them out and go cut them off, whatever they needed. But as, as I was walking, I mean these are big rolls. I'm talking like, geez, thousand pound rolls at least. And I look up and I see that what's making that noise. At first I was looking on the ground to see if there's a gopher, but shit, I looked up in that top rack and it was one of those great big old thousand pound rolls just moving. <laughs> just rolling. And I could hear that plastic. Because it was just rolling in place. And all those other rolls around it were stationary. Like they should have all been moving like a cog, like gear wheels. They should have all just start moving because of that one, but no, it was just sliding. Like just rotating there. <laughs> that was really, really weird, man. Like, how is that possible? I seen it and I stared at it like five more seconds, just watched it move, then it stopped. Like, what in the hell? <laughs> yeah, but it was just moving. I don't know how. Jeez, I don't know how the hell it did that. But see, things like that start happening. And, um, I end up putting a, uh, a carpet roll, I mean a carpet roll, a camera in that warehouse because we, well we needed surveillance because we didn't have any there in case anything happened, people coming on the weekends and taking things, whatever. So I asked for a, a surveillance system and I got one. I had it installed and oh god, when I, <laughs> that first night after I installed it, geez I come back that morning and I checked it because I seen some hits on there. So I start going through my nothing, 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 you know, it'd be like car lights. It would even pick up car lights coming, you know, it might be something like that. And I, there's this one that was really odd. There was no nothing around in there, like no lights. I can tell what was, why is this going off? So I played it really slow because I did see something in the beginning of it, but I backed it up and I just played it really slow and damned if I didn't see a man walk into the camera, see it, realize he was on camera, and just duck back really fast. No lights on in the warehouse, nothing. It was about 2, 3 in the morning when that went off. And I used to catch things like that all the time there. Um, what do they call them? Orbs? Yeah, just little weird balls of light floating around in there, all over in there. I didn't... You know, being native, I, I knew they were spirits. But still, I just would just stare at them like, holy cripes. There's a lot of stuff that goes on down here, isn't there? <laughs> I was thinking to myself. <laughs> but, uh, so this goes on and this goes on with this, with this warehouse. And, uh, I'll save those stories for the next episode. But just a preview of what they were. Is this next story I'll tell about what happened down there is... Something huge, huge, like five, oh god, I don't even want to ruin it, but a bunch of wood end up falling over 
and uh, there's like five pallets of hardwood flooring just end up falling. There's no way in hell it could have fell. But there's a twist to that. When I went to go pick it up, that's that's the twist. I'll leave that as a little cliffhanger. And there's also more about that thing, about that spirit that was there. It used to peek at me. I got frustrated one time with it. I started, you know, giving it a piece of my mind. Uh, my wife and my daughter went in to use the bathroom one night. It started bothering them. So that's where the kind of the climax to the whole thing happens. I finally get tired of it and I, you know, because I was to protect my family at that point. I, like, all right, I got to do something about this. So I come back with my smudge and all the ways I know how to, you know, cleanse an area. And I, I brought that all back. So I wait for the, everything to close down and and I go through and I start smudging this place out and that's a story in itself about what happened that night so anyways I'll tell all that I'll finish all these warehouse stories on the next um, on the next episode also another cleansing I did with you know at my brother's house uh, I'll tell you about when my grandpa visit me in a dream this is a really really awesome dream but uh Let's see, there's another story that happened recently. I'll tell that one too. Um, I've told it before on a podcast, but I'll retell it here since I'm doing this little series. Call that one The Little House of Bangs. It's really weird. Anyways, um, again, thank you all for being here and listening to the stories. Appreciate it. And we have a lot to look forward to. I, um, I still have a guy at tells a lot about these Bigfoot stories. I got his episode recorded. I just gotta go through and edit it. So that'll be coming out soon as well. Um, my brother is gonna be coming on the show. He's got a lot of stories too. You know, I'll be getting him on in the near future here too. So stay tuned for all that. We still got a lot coming up here. And um, I'll be finishing out my last bit of stories this month before Halloween. So, this was part three of my stories. My name is Rod Williamson, and until next time.